Father, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity to come and to be able to trust in you. God, we are so grateful to serve a God who over and over again proves that you are more than able to provide. Father God, if we look back at all of the Bible and any passage of Scripture, every time you called someone to follow you, every time you called someone to leave a place they were and to go to a new place or just to surrender and to serve you, you always provided everything that they needed. And Lord, as we sing these songs this morning, I pray that you'd help us to truly look at the words and to truly rationalize in our hearts and minds of whether or not we actually believe the words that we're singing. Because you are more than enough. If we had nothing else in this world and we were denied everything, you are more than enough. But God, at the same time, we live in a physical world. And yet you always provide. And so God, as we finish up our series this week about fasting and praying to know that you are the one that we can come to, to cry out to you, to seek your face and to receive in the name of Jesus. Because you are the provider. And Lord, as we prepare ourselves to worship, we dare not forget our brothers and sisters who aren't able to be here today. Father, we pray for Miss Helen, Miss Pat, pray for Pastor Dan, pray for Pastor Gary and Miss Magdalene, pray for Ted and Inga and Joan and Quay, and Lord, anyone that I may have missed who's been just dealing with some ongoing physical issues and can't be here today, please touch their bodies. Pray for Tammy Scruggs this morning. And Lord, I lift up to you Brian Blake. Got a call a while ago that he's on life support right now. And they just ask us to pray for them and pray for that family. And Lord, I pray that as we're here, and we're enjoying church and singing and praying to know that there are people out there who are just hurting and going through things like a family member being on life support. So whatever it is that we're dealing with today, I pray that we would just have trust and faith in you to know that you're a God who can provide. And you can work and move in these situations, in the physical but God, you are so much more focused and concerned about the spiritual. So whatever's in our hearts and lives this morning, whatever need we have, especially the spiritual, Lord, you are very concerned about. So I pray that we would seek your face, that we would give you the glory and honor today, and God, that you would be pleased. We love you. We thank you and we ask all of this in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
Well, as always, it is great to see you. And we are finishing up our series on praying and fasting this week. And, you know, we, we spent six weeks on this. Um, so far, we have talked so much about reasons why we pray and fast. Um, just, you know, approaching God in certain ways, not approaching God with an agenda, but really approaching God with a pure heart. And um, today, as we finish up, we're going to look at a little more of the... Uh, just practical aspects of it as far as, because we haven't talked about how you go about that, what God requires, what Scripture calls us to when we do pray and fast. And so I just want to share with you something that uh, I think is really interesting and very applicable in fasting and prayer, because uh, sometimes we just really don't know how to go about it. But I know one of the greatest fears for everyone is to do something for nothing. Any of you ever feel like you've ever done something for nothing? It's the most frustrating thing in the world to spend, especially a significant amount of time and effort on a task or a project to do something. And you do all this stuff, you put effort into it, and a lot of times you, you put money into it as well. And then you, you finish only to find out that everything you did is useless, and then you have to scrap it, throw it away, start over, or take a completely different route because what you did is use, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. And let's be honest today, as Christians, as believers in Christ, we probably struggle with this a lot in our faith with God more than we would like to admit. And I'll just be transparent with you today. There are times in my life where Satan comes and whispers to me, what if you're doing all this for nothing? I don't know if you've ever had that thought or that question before, um, that, that hesitancy in your life. But there are times as a Christian where Satan comes and he, he makes me question what am I doing this for? What if you're doing all of this for nothing? What if you're giving up stuff and, and things and, and friendships and hobbies and all this stuff that you've left behind from your past, all these things you're giving up. What if you're doing all this for nothing? And it kind of makes me wonder for a second. And then I have to make sure that I, I, I take a breath and I remind myself and I spend some time in prayer and I, and I really kind of rationalize this because I remember what it was like before I got saved. Like, as I know when I got saved as a teenager, junior year of high school, and I remember what life was like. I remember how my, what my family was like before we got saved. And I begin to think back and I remind myself, okay, let's do some contrast. Life is so much better for my family as a whole since we got saved. Life is so much better for me as a whole since I got saved, since I put my trust and faith in Christ. I'm so much happier as a believer than what I was beforehand. And it wasn't like I was denied anything before that I have now or vice versa. I felt like I had a pretty good life and I had everything that I needed beforehand. But there was no joy in my life and I was constantly wanting something. And there was a hole that, that was just there that was unquenchable, it was unsatisfiable. And I remember that. And so just the idea and understanding of, of even if... Whatever happens in eternity when I leave this world, no matter what, my life is better now than what it was beforehand. The guilt is no longer there. I, and I've told you this before, I can lay my head down in that time and sleep. I used to couldn't do that. Don't know why, just couldn't. There's no guilt, 
There's no shame. There's no baggage. There's no burden. I don't make stupid decisions. I don't pop off at the mouth a lot of times like I used to do. The Lord's helped me with all that stuff. It's kept me out of a lot of trouble. And life is a lot better being a Christian. And I have to remind myself of that. And I think as we talk about fasting and prayer, probably as even with our relationship with Christ, a lot of us are probably just fearful that we're going to go into this time of fasting and praying to the Lord and feel like we're going to do it for nothing. Like nothing's going to happen. God's not going to answer my prayer. And, and I don't want to sacrifice these things or give this up in order for nothing to happen. And the truth is, is that as believers in Christ, we've got to remind ourselves. You've got to just take a step back and remind ourselves, who is the God that I say that I believe in? Who is He? What is He capable of? How faithful is He? And in, in taking a step back and remind ourselves that, to remind ourselves, dude, our whole relationship with Christ is built off of faith. Of stepping out on faith and believing that God, that Christ is more than able to do anything that we could ever think or imagine and really to trust in Him as a God who's, who's more than able to do more than we could think or imagine. That He can do even more than what you're asking for, than what you could ever think or dream of. That God is more than able to go far beyond that. And in doing that, we have to have faith. But you have the fear because you know. You guys know this. Like You, you can feel it in your bones. You know there's a possibility that, that you, you, you could do all this for nothing. So let's talk about it today. We don't have a focus passage, so we're just going to start with point number one today. You ready? Point number one you got to understand that it just may not be God's will. As a believer, when you are pursuing the Lord, whether it's just in prayer or you're taking the time to fast and pray and really seek God's face about something specific, that you're denying yourself things of the world to focus on God and to really plead to His mercy like we talked about a couple weeks ago. You're pleading to His mercy. We have to remind ourselves in these moments this just may not be God's will. Any of you ever prayed for something before? And the Lord didn't answer it? But you look back on it and you think, man, I'm really glad God didn't give me what I asked for. Anybody ever been there? There's a little bit of truth to the old country song. If you know me, you know I'm a country music fan. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Because the truth is, at any given moment in time, you and I could have this attitude and, and this mindset that what we want or desire or think we need in the moment is right. And you may absolutely believe in this moment that I don't understand how this couldn't be God's will. I don't understand why God wouldn't want to grant this request or answer this prayer. And in these moments, we pray these things thinking that surely this is what God would want. And yet we come out on the other end of it and hindsight's always 2020, and maybe it's a few months later or a couple years later, and you look back and you're just like, God, thank you for not doing that. Thank you for not giving me what I asked for. Because if you would have, it wouldn't be as good as what I have now. And the thing is, is understanding that sometimes the things that we pray for may not necessarily be God's will. So let's look at a passage of Scripture where that's the case. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 15-23. Now, this is regarding King David, and the prophet Nathan has just visited him. 
And in verse 15 it said, After Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a deadly illness to the child of David and Uriah's wife. Notice in Scripture, David has already taken Bathsheba into the palace. He's already made arrangements for her to become his wife, but Scripture still refers to her as Uriah's wife. So um, the child of David and Uriah's wife, in verse 16 it says, David begged God to spare the child. And he went without food and lay all night on the bare ground, and the elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with them, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, the child died. And David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill, they said. What drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? And when David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. In verse 20, then David got up from the ground He washed himself, put on lotions, changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. And after that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. And his advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now the child is dead. You've stopped your mourning and you're eating again. And David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive, for I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he can't return to me. And this is a super interesting passage of Scripture. And let's just, let's be honest, it's it's unique in the fact that this is a moment where the Lord is divvying out punishment for David's sin. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He murdered her husband Uriah to cover it up. He's brought her into the palace. And it's like up till this point, there's like a year or almost two year period that all of this has happened. And you would think that David's kind of gotten away with it. So we're not just talking about this little baby. I mean, we're talking about uh, uh, basically almost a toddler at this point. And the Lord is, is finally divvying out punishment. He's calling David out on what he's done. And so it, it's different in that moment because you know like the Lord divvied out the punishment. So you know this Lord's will. But yet David still seeks the face of God through fasting and prayer. And you look at what Scripture says, I thought that the Lord would be merciful. You remember last week and the week before, we talked about not pursuing the Lord with an agenda, not pursuing the Lord with anything that we think we deserve or that we've earned, but pursuing Him and pleading on behalf of God's mercy. And David, even though he's committed these great sins, adultery and murder, is yet still considered a man after God's own heart. And you look at this story and it's easy to see why he is a man after God's own heart. Because the truth is, being a person who loves God and who is after God's own heart does not necessarily mean that you're without sin. Because David, Scripture gives us many references of David's multiple sins that we have because he has more than just these. But yet he's a man after God's own heart because he pursues the Lord on the basis of God's mercy and not anything that he deserves. And yet when the Lord divvies out the punishment that he said and what David was asking for, you look at the attitude of David and David didn't say, well, he didn't do what I wanted him to do and I may have sinned, but the child didn't deserve to die. And so he didn't fuss and he didn't complain. 
you look at what Scripture said he did. He got up, he bathed himself, he prepared himself, he put on clothes, he put on lotion, and he prepared himself, and then he went to the temple and he worshipped God. And this morning I want to challenge you that as we begin into this Lent season, you know, Wednesday is kind of like the, the day that we've been trying to encourage you guys to begin this act of fasting and praying, that we do this together as a body of Christ. And so as you go into this, this time where we've been encouraging you to do this, to, to take a step back and say, listen, just because you fast and you pray and you seek the Lord and you plead on His mercy and you do this with the right attitude and the right heart does not necessarily mean that God is going to grant you whatever it is that you're asking for. And you need to come to the resolve before you ever begin this to say, is it okay with me if God doesn't give me what I'm asking for? Because there's a chance that what you're asking for may not necessarily be His will, and you just not see it right now. You may not know it right now. It doesn't mean that you're asking with bad or impure motives. It just means that right now, it hasn't been revealed to you that God may have something different or better planned later on. And you have to ask yourself, am I okay if God doesn't answer what I'm asking for? And the truth is that if He doesn't, you have to understand that it's not for nothing. That even if you take the time to fast and you pray and you seek the Lord and you, you plead to His mercy and you do this with the right attitude and the Lord doesn't answer your prayer and that's not, you don't see an answer or the answer that you preferred in this moment, it doesn't mean that it was for nothing. You have to have trust and faith in God and who He is and, and His heart and His plan and His will and His glory. Because he may have something better planned. You remember we talked a while ago, it's like sometimes you look back and you say, God, thank you for not answering my prayer because what you did in my life instead of that is so much better than what I would have asked for or what I was asking for. Are you okay with that? Because God sees your heart. He sees you coming to Him, relying on Him, trusting in Him. And just because He doesn't answer your request or your prayer or your fasting in that moment the way that you want it does not mean that you just did it for nothing. Because you denied yourself things of the world, which is the calling of every Christian. You're seeking your Heavenly Father and you're growing in your relationship with Him. You spent more time with Him. You grew spiritually. And then as God sees people who's willing to deny themselves things of the world and seek His face, it speaks to the Lord. And, and, and I believe that although He may not answer your request the way that you ask it or the way that you need it, I believe that it sets you up for God to bless you and move in you and move through you in future times. That it may not have happened exactly the way that you wanted it to now, but God sees someone who's going to pursue Him with a pure heart and pure motives, and that whenever things doesn't happen the way that they would like for them to, they don't just pick up their ball and go home and say, I'm not playing anymore, but they're faithful to the Lord, and they go and worship Him like David did, and God yet still continues to use Him. And I think that's really interesting, because David was a man who, who, who had sinned, and yet God still uses him in incredible ways despite that because David had a pure heart and sought after God. So I want you to understand today, 
It may not be God's will, but step out on faith and believe in God to know that, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give this time. I'm going to give this effort. I'm going to give my thoughts and my heart to you in this moment. And even if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, I believe in trusting you enough to know that something else will be better because I'm doing this. That you will bless and you will move and you will work in some other way because I'm doing this and that it's not going to be for nothing. Give with that? Point number two. You could fast and pray for nothing. And this is the scary part. And we haven't talked a lot about kind of how Scripture calls us to fast and pray and kind of the, the, the circumstantial things around this. But Jesus taught about this uh, in, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And we'll, we'll read that in just a second. But let's be honest. The worst thing we could do is, is to do it for nothing. Like that would be the most disappointing. That would be the most frustrating aspect of life to waste time, to waste effort, energy, anything to do it for nothing. And there is one circumstance where Jesus says that if you fast and pray and you do it like this, you will do it for nothing. And let's look at what he says. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. Okay? I want to stop right here because this is a little confusing. I want to make sure that we clarify this really well before we move into this coming week and we begin praying and fasting for the season of Lent. You've heard us talk about it a lot. We've been trying to inspire and encourage and get our church body as a whole to fast and pray during the season of Lent. We talk about this every year. But it's really important to understand that while we fast and pray, that we don't make it obvious and draw attention from other people to the fact that we are fasting and praying. Because that's what hypocrites do, right? Any of you ever noticed someone or been around someone, maybe a celebrity or a pastor or, or you know, uh, someone in the church who does some kind of good deed or something good and they talk about it and they draw attention to it or they post it on social media or, or they make a big to-do about it to draw attention to themselves so that people will admire them and, and, and say good things about them for what they've done. You ever notice somebody like that? This is not something that's new. It's a little easier to see today because we have social media and stuff like that, and it's very, people can uh, portray their lives and things that they do in an easy way for people to see. But even during this time, there were people in Jesus' day who fasted and prayed and did it in order to draw attention to themselves, and Jesus said that they were hypocrites. They didn't do it with a pure heart. They didn't do it in seeking the Lord. They did it so that other people would look at them and admire them. And let's finish verse 16. For they try to look miserable and to shelve so that people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. So even though we're talking about praying and fasting and we're encouraging you guys to do it, and what you will notice is, and I hope you've noticed this over the past several years, that as we've been encouraging praying and fasting during the season of Lent, we talk a lot about it before it gets started, encouraging people to do it. But once it starts, we really don't talk about it a whole lot anymore. 
Because we're not doing it to draw attention to ourselves. We're not doing it to brag about it. And, and even during the sermon series, we may have given examples of in the past of things that we fasted or, or how we fasted or, or experiences we had during fasting. But it's not in bragging and it's not to draw attention to ourselves. It's really just teaching purposes to encourage and help us to know that of the different ways that we can fast and pray and how we can seek the Lord and to do that. But while we are fasting and praying, we really don't talk about it a whole lot anymore. Because the truth is, is if we do it to draw attention to ourselves, that's the only reward we'll ever get. Fasting and prayer is something that has to be done with a pure heart. Absent from an agenda, absent from the opportunity for you to receive praise and honor from other people for the efforts that you're putting into your relationship with the Lord. And Jesus teaches about that multiple times, even saying like whatever good deed that you do, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. To make sure that the things you do for God are for God alone. And you've heard me say it as a pastor that, that it becomes a lot more difficult when you're in ministry and you're up on a stage in front of people and you're serving in the body because a lot of times you, you, because you are seen by so many people in a spiritual context, you begin to lose track a little bit about exactly why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? How can I serve God without people seeing this? What can I do without people drawing attention to myself and yet still faithfully serve the Lord with a pure heart, not letting my left hand know what my right hand's doing? That's just some different struggles that people in ministry who are, who are kind of, you know, out in the front have in their spiritual walks. But we're not called to draw attention to ourselves. We're called to seek Christ with a pure heart, absent from agenda and motive. I'll give you a really funny example. Um, when I was in youth, I was a young Christian at the time, probably saved less than a year. Uh, the season of Lent came around, and, and they, were, they were promoting it at the church to fast and pray. And uh, we had a little work day, and I think it was just the teenage boys in the youth group who came up here, probably didn't do a whole lot of anything productive, but we were here, and we worked. And we were here all morning, and we were super hungry, and then we went over to the parsonage. That's when Pastor, Pastor Edmonds and Donna were living in the parsonage. Greg took us over there. And so we were sitting around the kitchen table, and we were eating Arby's roast beef. Anybody remember the good old days when they had the five roast beef for $5? I don't know how many roast beef sandwiches we had. There were a lot, and they all got eaten. But we were eating the roast beefs, and one of the boys in the youth group, who is actually younger than me, isn't eating. And I'm like, Daniel... Why are you not eating? He's like, oh man, I'm not hungry. And we had been there all morning. Like we were, we were hungry. I know, I know he had to be hungry. And, and I was kept looking at him like, man, you need to eat something. Like here's roast beef. And I started teasing him. I'm like, mm, the roast beef are so good. You know, I was being a little jerk. Not knowing. Well, guess who was participating in fasting? And guess who wasn't? All right, so here I am being the jerk, teasing this guy about not eating. Hey, man, you, you need to eat. Like, mm, so good, trying to encourage him to eat a roast beef. And he didn't say anything. He just kept saying, no, nah, I'm not hungry, man. I'm just not. And I was making him super uncomfortable. And me being the jerk that I was, and hopefully, I hope I'm not still like that. I guess I'm still aggravating sometimes. But I just kept teasing him and made it pretty uncomfortable. And finally, thankfully, Pastor Edmund said, well, Daniel, I just think it's real admirable what you're doing, and I think the Lord will bless you for this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, 
what? And finally, a couple other boys said, he's fasting, you idiot. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea. Like, I wasn't participating in the fast. It was the last thing on my mind. You know, I very spiritually immature at the moment. And I felt about this big afterwards. But he, I mean, but he did it right. You know, it's like I was sitting there dogging the kid in front of everybody, making a really big deal about nothing. Had no idea he was fasting and praying. And the whole time he held strong, never let up, That never said Dude, I'm fasting. I'm just, I'm not going to do that. He never let it on. I would have never known if Pastor Evans had not said anything and defended him. Thankfully, Pastor Evans did. But we got to be really careful in that, that, that we are doing this specifically for the Lord. Zechariah chapter 7, verses 4 through 6, the Lord speaks to Zechariah and he gives him this message to the people of Israel. And I think this is a great passage for what we're talking about. It says, the Lord of heaven's armies sent me this message in reply. Say to all your people, your priests, during these 70 years of exile, when you fasted and mourned in the summer and in early autumn, was it really for me that you were fasting? And even now in your holy festivals, are you eating and drinking just to please yourselves? And I think we have to just take a deep breath and let's take a step back sometimes and remind ourselves that God knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows why we're doing stuff. And as we approach prayer and fasting, to understand today that if you're doing this for attention, if you're doing this just to be a part of something, and you're not seeking God with a pure heart and pure motives because you feel like He deserves this and you're pleading on behalf of His mercy, you very well could be fasting and praying for nothing. That God knows us. He knows what kind of heart you're coming to Him with. He knows the reasoning behind what it is that you're doing. Why you're asking for what you're asking for. Why you're praying for what you're praying for. And He knows whether or not you're doing this just to draw attention or you're doing this because you're just seeking His face because you want to know Him more. It's all about the attitude. So point number three. Humbleness is the key. And we've said this over the past several weeks. You know, when you come before the Lord and you're seeking and you're praying and you're fasting, you have to do it with a humble heart, with pure motives, absent from agenda. Because if you don't, the Lord is not going to hear you. We have to seek the Lord. And it's it's so important to remind ourselves of that. So let's look at Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. And this is a great passage as Jesus is teaching on prayer and how you approach God in your prayer life. So he says in verse 9, Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness, and they scorned everyone else. He said, Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer, I thank God that I am not like those other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. And I want you to consider this this morning. That here you have this, this religious leader. And, and you guys know this. There are people who specifically base their relationship with God 
off of what it is that they do or don't do. And he's like, I'm not like them. I'm not a cheater. I'm not a sinner. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. And Jesus is talking about this. And this religious leader has it all wrong. And you look at verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not to even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. You remember what we've talked about for the past several weeks? Seeking God, pleading to His mercy. God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner and not the Pharisee return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I love this passage because it goes back to that whole idea of David who was guilty of many sins and yet was still considered a man after God's own heart. And yet you have this religious leader who was very careful in his life not to commit sins and yet approach God with the absolute wrong attitude and he was not justified. But yet you have a sinner who's approaching God and pleading on behalf of mercy with the right attitude and he goes home justified instead. Now let me encourage you guys and throw a little disclaimer out there. Because while I believe that the attitude upon which we seek our Lord and Savior matters more than anything, that's what justifies us, the attitude in our heart upon which we seek God. I do want to encourage you and say, this does not give us a uh, get-out-of-jail-free card or a permit to go and live in sin continuously. Okay? Jesus died to give us the Holy Spirit, to empower us to overcome sin. So we do not live lives of sin. We don't participate in habitual sin. We struggle and we fight against sin. But I do want to encourage you, just because you're living a life this morning and you're not sinning does not mean that you are justified. It's the attitude upon which you seek God. Because even a sinner who admits that they're sinful and seeks God and pleads on behalf of His mercy, can walk home and be justified in that moment. You with me today? And so we're all guilty of sin. It doesn't give us this this green card to just go live lives of sin and say, well, I'm going to seek God humbly so I can continue to do this. Like, no, that's not why Jesus Christ died. That's not why He fills us with the Holy Spirit. That's not why He's called us to represent Him in this world. But the attitude upon which we seek God matters and it justifies us and it creates the opportunity for God to hear us and for us to approach his throne and I want to challenge you today whether or not you are uh, just thinking about participating in fasting and praying as Lent begins this coming Wednesday or whether or not you're just like man I kind of want to make fasting and praying a normal part of my life I want you to understand that Satan is going to whisper in your ear and he's going to try to convince you that you're going to do this for nothing. 
that, that you're putting all this effort into this thing and God's not going to hear you and He's not going to give you what you're asking for and you're going to feel like you're going to do this for nothing. And I just want to encourage you and remind you today, if it's for nothing, it'll be because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it without the pure heart. You're doing it to draw attention to yourself. You're doing it just to be able to say that you're doing it. But if you seek God with a pure heart and you resolve to yourself that God is worthy of me doing this regardless of whether or not He answers my prayers and to have trust and faith that even if He doesn't answer that prayer, somehow, some way the Lord will bless me and reward me in the future or with something else as I seek His face and pray to Him with a pure heart, it will not be for nothing. There's never a time, there's never a time that you cannot seek God's face and pursue Him and plead on behalf of His mercy and it be for nothing. God is faithful. What do you say that you believe about your God? What do you claim about the God that you believe in? You have to trust and believe in that and step out in faith and say, God, I know I believe in you. Whatever it is that I'm doing this for, whether you answer my prayer or not, I know that you are faithful and that you're going to work and move regardless of whether it turns out how I want it to or not. That you're faithful, you're, you're God, you're in control, and I'm good with whatever it is you say it should be. If you have that attitude, it won't be for nothing. But if you're absorbed in it and you're doing it for recognition and you're doing it just to be able to say that you did it to make up for something else, that's the wrong attitude. That's when we run the risk of doing it for nothing. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and thank you. Thank you so much for your word. And just the direction and the teachings that Christ gave us. Lord, thank you for speaking into our hearts and lives. And I pray that we would, we would just have trust and faith in you. Lord, in every aspect of life, whether it be fasting and prayer or just living every day, God, we are just called to trust in you and rely on you to be our provider. And as we said at the beginning of the service, there's never been a time where you've called someone to follow you and to serve you, where you didn't provide everything that they needed. You are our provider, and we trust in you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.